Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Pulp in its second week of the Badass Film Festival Marathon. Today, we're talking about Cobra, 1986 movie directed by George P. Cosmatos, starring and written by Sylvester Stallone, which is a whole story into itself. I had never seen this particular um, piece of the Badass catalog. Uh, Sylvester shares the screen with uh, frequent Badass collaborator, uh, collaborator Bridget Nielsen, which you might recognize from Red Sonia, Rocky Four, etc. Uh, Rennie Santoni, uh, who played Poppy on the television sitcom Seinfeld, and mm-hmm. Chico Gonzalez and Dirty Harry. Brian Thompson as the Night Slasher, who has played just a ton of characters on her he- heavy prosthetics in the Star uh, Trek franchise, including several Klingons and Jim Hadar warriors. He's the alien bounty hunter in X Files. Uh, Brock and Dragonheart and then Lee Garlington as Nancy Stock um, who we actually just saw her recently in sneakers um, do you remember that like uh, Czechoslovakian mathematics scientist that uh, Robert Redford had to schmooze into her office at one point that's that's your uh, Lee Garlington wow okay uh, yeah, like I said, I, I've, I've never seen this film. I remember my cousin having this poster, the Cobra poster <laughs> oh, on the, the door of his bedroom at one point in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what do you think of old Cobra here? Wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting what I got from this movie. I, 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 I don't know. After watching it, it's definitely one of those so bad it's good movies. I wish oh, for sure. because years ago when we were living together, we had we were doing marathons of badass action movies from like the 80s and 90s. I wish this had been one of them instead of like the remake of Robocop or something, because mm-hmm. that's a bad movie. This is a very good bad movie that is basically a parody of itself and every action movie you've ever seen. Uh, it's it's an unintentional parody of like Dirty Harry and Death Wish and all these like 70s to 80s badasses who were just taking right. the law into their own hands, right? The the mm-hmm. the cop who bends and breaks the law to get justice. Uh and it's it's shit. It's absolutely terrible, but it is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. It reminds me I I'm so glad we actually lucked out with this film. Yeah. Because I thought it might just be a stinker. And also, I really, we, we both kind of really wrestled over, God, for Arnold, should we do Commando or Predator? Mm-hmm. Like, Commando is the epitome of a certain type of 80s action film. Uh, all brawn, no brain, <laughs> like, like, like ludicrous in both the contemporary, but also like 30 years just, just gets more and more absurd, but still holds up because of a central kind of charismatic performance and, and an actor who might not know that this material is as ridiculous as it is. Although I think Arnold mm-hmm. knows a little bit more than Sly, uh, <laughs> since Sly wrote this shit. Right. But it has that same kind of just manic, crazy, 80s action energy um and and yeah like like halfway through this film i was thinking man would this be the good bones of a really good 80s like action movie parody which i don't know that we've gotten a great 80s action movie parody like you know there was some contemporary ones like hot shots hot shots part two yeah yeah but but like something that like goes back and sees what's ridiculous about the thing like, you know, like like this, this crazy over the top look at the way crime works in this movie, mm-hmm. you know, that you just got essentially <laughs> evil people and our society is breeding them. Yeah. And what you need, you, you got this disease and what's the cure? It's fucking Marion Cobretti here. Jesus. Uh, it's a dude but, with but, a cobra printed on his grip. <laughs> but ha- but then as I kept on watching, I'm like, no, this movie is just it. Like, if you want to uh-huh. see a parody of 80s action films, watch Cobra because it delivers the it delivers the fucking goods. And the best part about it is it doesn't know that it's it. It doesn't know that it's the parody of itself, the parody of every action movie you saw in the 80s. It's kind of the culmination of an era. Uh, even though it's 1986, this came out, I think, before Predator, uh, before some of the better action movies. Uh, right. It also somehow sums up the entirety of that era of action movies. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're, you're right about the fact that it actually is funnier, um, that they don't, it's like, um, yeah, 
it's funny in Doctor Strange Love that Slim Pickens didn't know that he's in a comedy and he's playing <laughs> right. every scene like deadly serious. And like, I, I think that that holds true for for Cobra mm-hmm. that like everybody here thought this was going to be like, did you see the backstory and the lore of this of the production of this thing? Some of it. What what part of it? Are you talking so. About? So Sly Stallone got hired to star in Beverly Hills mm, yeah. Cop. He was supposed to be the Beverly Hills Cop, but he got the script. You know, he's a bit of a script writer himself, you mm-hmm. know, got an Oscar for a few turn, good turns and, and, and Rocky. And sure. Uh, and he goes to work on it and he just takes out all of the comedy and just keeps on pumping up to action, pumping up to action. He submits the script to the studio and they're like, well, this is unfilmable. This thing's going to cost like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so violent and it's so over the top and there's so many stunts like this is we we, we we got a mid-budget comedy and you got a big budget blockbuster you're trying to make here. Get the fuck out of here. You know, the rest is history when it comes to Beverly Hills Cop. But Stallone kept, kept on like, you know, there's something here. There's something here. <laughs> and he essentially borrowed like a crime novel for like some kind of I don't know. So people take it seriously. He found a weak director that would he that would let him push around and essentially direct the film itself oh god Uh, it's so ridiculous and he made his over-the-top beverly hills cop like that's and you can see like once you know that he this is supposed to be axel foley like the d and the comedy dna kind of jumps out and you can see where there were still kind of like (laughs) you know like stallone engages in prop comedy in a roadside (laughs) diner at one point and it's just it's just the greatest uh yeah, the this production. is what he thought the, the 80s needed. Should we talk about the story before we get into like the heavy production stuff? Because there, there's so much yes. that like the details of what you're talking about are delicious. But yeah, let's get yeah. into it. You first. Oh, the, the story of this is basically there is a cult of serial killers out there and it's seems to be widespread. Like they show a shot of people banging together axes. <laughs> in twice in this movie they show it and it cracks me up every time because it's so stupid mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but they're like from all walks of life right they're building some new world order thing where murdering the weak is like their strength and they're going around LA doing that and Cobra uh, Marion Cobra Cobretti is called in because the normal cops can't handle him and so he's got to go lay down the law and laying yeah. down the law means becoming judge dread and murdering a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, like, like uh, a lot of the action movies at the time, like they make it clear that these people are all guilty and they deserve it. Oh know? yeah. They're all, like, these are unrepentant murderers, ax murderers at that. They're literal crazed ax murderers meeting in sewers and talking about how they're the, the shape of things to come. <laughs> and I guess the tension of the movie, if there is in fact, any of that comes from, uh, a model who is a witness to some of these to to at least one of these murders and uh, knows who the night slasher is and can identify him. Uh, they're targeting her for death to, you know, protect themselves. And Cobra has to defend her and he takes her to the countryside and just all hell breaks loose. Yeah, that's really funny, too, because um He's not very good at, you know, the movie requires that they're, they got this set up, right? You know, she's terrified that he's not going to be able to protect her. This one man against this, this highly armed, sophisticated axe murderer psychopath gang. Mm-hmm. But the movie also requires because of its plot that he be kind of like just on the verge of losing her, you know, like, like there's like three different attacks. They mount one at a hospital, one at the countryside, one in a hotel. And like, you know, after the third one, she asked what I think a reasonable person would ask, like, you know, how can you uh, ensure that I'm going to keep you safe? And he's like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, they've actually gotten me like two or three times. And he's like, we just have to have faith. <laughs> and the camera pans to Bridget Nielsen and she gives like if I was directing a parody of this scene, like in a MacGruber type MacGruber type parody, I would direct her to act exactly like she does. Like, I just can't believe I'm hearing what I'm hearing. Um, and also this guy is like not very charming and they play him like it's played on this, the, the scene as if he's irresistible to women, like Mm -hmm. Bridget has got this, uh, or Ingrid, her character is just got this compulsion to like, ask him about his history and his self. And like when she gets bored, his partner's right there to like prompt her with like leads, like ask him about his name. It's a girl's name. Isn't that funny? (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
yeah, but it's not. It's, so there's only really like two women in this entire movie, right? There's uh, who are you know part of the movie, other than like, oh, there are people in the background, whatever. Uh, it's it's Ingrid, and it's the leader of this death cult. I guess I don't know if she's a leader, Officer Stalk. Yeah, the the which I thought was a good, it was a nice touch naming her Stalk because God. she's stalking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> didn't even realize that. That's stupid. <laughs> um, and yeah, so so it's really just like this woman is super fascinated. But I I was watching this movie and the first scene you see her in, well, aside from the montage which we can talk about, it really sucks. Mm-hmm. There's this mm-hmm. this photographer guy who's just basically trying to fuck her and is like trying to talk yep. her in to sleeping with him. And I, I got to thinking when Cobra came around and, you know, his partner's like, oh, she's hot. Huh? Oh, she's real attractive. Like, give me a piece of that. Mm-hmm. This might she might be attracted to him because he he's the only guy who has not immediately tried to get into her pants the second they met her. Because mm-hmm. the rest of the guys in this movie are just That's like true. drooling. Their, true. their mouths They're are hanging like, open. It's Jim Carrey wearing the mask, seeing seeing Cameron Diaz at the club for the first time, exactly. just tongue rolling out, turning into a wolf. Uh, yeah, and to the to the extent that like, <laughs> I love when like uh, Stallone finally wears her down with his masculinity or whatever, <laughs> and she's like, "Quit fooling with your guns and come over here and get in bed with me." And he kind of like puts his guns down and kind of rolls his eyes and like, "Ugh, I guess." Like he's just maximum resistant to it. Like, yeah. Yeah, he I don't know. It's like this. She is just inexplicably fascinated by him. But maybe you're right. Mm. He's the only guy who uh, makes lame uh, <laughs> prop comedy based advances towards her rather than just crude. Come on, baby. Why don't you just break me off a piece kind of advances? So he he, he basically does the equivalent of telling her she'd look better if she smiled more uh, mm-hmm. by by telling her like, oh, that's too much ketchup for your fries. I. I I don't know, man. Yeah, weird neg, weird neg. Yeah, like they they make it a point of her just filling her fries with ketchup, mm-hmm. and then him like, oh, you need a need a snorkel for those fries because you're <laughs> drowning them, and just yeah, he's, this he's is, a weird guy. This is right after he grabbed a a a, a comically large foam hamburger mm-hmm. off the display at this this dive bar, and like I said, just started doing some carrot top style prop comedy. <laughs> Involving like, hey, it's a big birth, uh, big enough for a family. Uh, it's an extra large combo. Uh. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's really funny. Also, I I love how you can tell that the cop, the evil female cop, is in fact an evil female cop because she's wearing zero makeup and has bad hair. It's true. That's true. That's it. She's coded. She's coded. Mm-hmm. She's the only other woman in this film, and she's just doesn't give a shit about her appearance. So she's. She's she can't be trusted. She's evil. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Cobra gives maybe too much shit about his appearance, like the over the top macho demeanor <sighs> of Cobra is just too much, man. It's too much. And it's not I, like I saw the movie works its way into that. It's too much immediately. Like, uh, yeah, the opening montage of these two people like going to the grocery store, one of them, the killer, one of them, Cobra. He's mm-hmm. riding his motorcycle in a blood red sun set. Uh, he's got the shades on. He, he pulls Which is up- awesome. It actually looks incredible. This is 80s as fuck and it looks incredible. Like it's all you can't <laughs> tell where the red sky from the dawn right. it begins and the red of the motorcycle ends. It's really fucking slick. I, I will say given that he's riding his motorcycle in that sunset. Uh, in that opening shot, I'm not actually sure how he shows up at the crime scene in a car, but he does. Uh, he shows mm. up in this matte black hot rod that you know he's polishing with the inside of his coat the entire movie because oh, oh this is the his motorcycles baby. are from the the axe murderers. I thought the same oh, thing too, it? but they established later that this is also a motorcycle gang because they just have scads and scads and later, scads of yeah. motorcycles. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought Cobra I think was this guy, there. Yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, the, the the motorcycle is the dude that's about to do the supermarket heist. Oh, okay. Where he kills one guy with a shotgun, but mostly just row after row of produce. He has got yeah. it in for heads of lettuce, two liters galore, watermelon, two liters especially, mm-hmm. uh, a large prop Pepsi can, 
Uh, uh, he, he's going to, there's, there's so much, so much collateral damage in, in the inanimate <laughs> object department of this. But Cobra rolls up and he's got this mad black hot rod from like the 40s or something. And then he, they do a close up on his license plate as he drives into frame and it's AWSOM space 50. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck does that mean? And then it took me like two seconds to realize, oh my God, this is a, this is a cop vanity plate. Awesome five O, awesome cop. It, the, the the way that they like ramp up that character, it, it's just immediate, right? It's like Fast and Furious from the mm-hmm. very beginning. The the next scene, I think, like after he goes in and he kills this guy, which is a bunch of macho shit that he's doing anyway, and he's he's spouting one liners and you know throwing knives and and shooting guys and. Then he goes back to his house and he's like cutting pizza with a pair of scissors. A scissors? <laughs> what the fuck? He cuts a pair, uh, cuts pizza in half, but not the way you think. Right. Like he holds right. up the triangle slice and cuts it in the middle, like the pointy tip off. Right. So one piece has crust, one piece doesn't. Puts the crust piece away and just mm-hmm. eats the tip. Yeah, I can't believe this character is so ridiculous. Like, I forgot to mention when he he steps out of his car at that first scene. The the camera does, you know, one of those things where it like follows from the boots and and goes all the way up him. And it shows like his his fucking boots and his leather jacket, his sunglasses that are completely mirrored. And Mm -hmm. then he's chewing a match the whole time. Uh, Not a toothpick, a match. Right, because that's so much harder than a toothpick. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. And and will he use that match to somehow dispatch a bad guy at some point in the the running time of this film? 100%. Is this, yeah, is is Sylvester's name Cobra? Because, yeah, he's going to do that. And that, that was just, like, the very first scene where he's introduced. And... They show his gun in that scene, and his gun has a fucking cobra printed on the grip, mm-hmm. <laughs> on his white grip. It's it, this movie is trying way too fucking hard to make him seem like a badass, and that's where the MacGruber stuff comes in. I want to tell you a couple things about this film, uh, okay. and tell me if it surprises you. Number one, Stallone pitched to the executive uh, was that Marion Cobretti. First of all, the Marion explained because that's that's John Wayne's first name. Okay. So like, you know, another another badass with a girl named or we're going to go there. But but he he pitched it as Bruce Springsteen with a gun. <laughs> well, that just sounds stupid. I would laugh him out of the studio right there. But doesn't it like doesn't that fit like when you see the uh-huh. slow kind of pan from the boots up to the jacket to. Oh, the, yeah. If, the he had ro- if he had like, taken the jacket off, rolled up his sleeves, it, it would have been Bruce Bruce Springsteen for sure. S- secondly, that is still Sylvester Stallone's actual car his primary vehicle at the time that he loved. It's a 1950s custom uh, Mercury classic. It's an awesome 50, of course. And I, I kind of want to believe that that's his actual driver's license too. And he just rolled, he just, he just drove it from, and the, throughout the whole movie, he's like admiring it and polishing it. And the yeah. idea and, and the, the knowledge that this is actually his personal ride is so great for that. And I guess the studio had to build like three, four stunt cars because they, you know, they thrash this car. There's all kinds they of do. police chases. There's all kinds of like bullet holes that it gets. And, but like, this is just a huge fucking, I, I think, um, I like Sylvester Stallone, but it's pretty well attested that throughout the eighties and early nineties, he had a massive ego problem, probably from, yeah, probably he had that. Uh, there's some inf- inferiority complex. Uh, because of uh, his stature in Hollywood versus his real life stature, plus like you know, um, uh, you know, his background, and then he like has these hits after hit after hit, and now he thinks he can do no wrong. Like it's he's, he seemed like he's a pretty rude asshole guy for most of his time, but like also just this egomania, mm-hmm. the fact that he cast himself as Bruce Springsteen with a gun. The fact that he casts himself as just like magnetically irresistible to women. <laughs> the fact that he puts his own personal car as the like he is like, you know, Sylvester Stallone is Cobra in this film. And yeah. as far as I can tell, his actual um, contemporary views on crime were like this. Like, you know, hey, this mm-hmm. country's got a runaway view of crime. The liberal nanny 
pinko commie state is churning them out and coddling them and we got judges letting people and what we really need is a zombie squad of like extracurricular extra legal cop judicial action like judge dread kind of thing yeah and sure. yeah like like you start seeing like a lot of this come out i don't know if he still feels this way but it, a lot of this comes out and like the choices he makes like judge dread demolition men they all kind of revolve around these themes of these like a particular breed of violent psychopathic criminal that has no redeeming values. They're just born bad. They're shaped by the system. They're getting churned mm-hmm. out of super predators. And it's like, nah, man, it's lead. It was lead in the environment is lead everywhere. <laughs> lead in the paint, lead in the atmosphere, lead in the water. It turned everybody into violent psychopaths. Also, also <laughs> more controversial, probably legal, safe abortion kept, you know, Kept kept a lot mm, yeah. of uh, children that would be un- otherwise unfortunate, unloved, and unwanted off the streets. That that's that's why the crime rate was spiking. It wasn't just like a uniquely hyper violent <laughs> breed of criminal that we were making. It's just yeah, we put lead in the environment, and it's essentially Doctor Jekyll juice, and uh, and we created a bunch of Mister Hydes out there, and it's better now. Mm. Although. You know, if you pay attention to the headlines with the, the lead in the pipes and stuff, I do worry in another ten or fifteen years, like Jesus Christ, are we doing this all over again? But but yeah, oh, no, yeah. it's it's this throwback and how like thoroughly they've got like he's got one chief of police. that's like the good guy. You know, he's got yeah. the government issued face. He's got the strong jaw. He's he's got strong actions, criminal. And then you've got the other guy. Um, God, what his name's Monty. Right. And he's cons. He's he's wearing glasses. He's kind of seen as a nerd and he's constantly going up to Cobretti and be like, you think you're so cool. You're not cool at all. You're actually you know, uh, a violent macho idiot. And I mean, he's right. <laughs> like, that's, that's the, the thing. Guy like Stallone's response is also always, Oh, you think I'm a violent nut job? Punch in the face or choke you <laughs> right. or, or murder like, somebody. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just, Oh God. It's, it's just, it's just hilarious. Like, Oh, you think I'm a, a, a violent nut job? Well, we'll see about that. Kapow. Think I'm an egomaniac. Um, I'll, I'll, Take this. Did you hear some of the production stuff on this, man? We need to get deep in the weeds on this because I read a lot of shit about this. So not only, you know, Sylvester Stallone was supposed to be in Beverly Hills Cop, like you said, and he rewrote a bunch of that to make it violent and over the top. The studio turned it down. Apparently, his character's name in that movie was Axel Cobretti. And so he takes that character basically Uh one to one ripoff and throws it in this movie, uh, Mm -hmm. changes his name to Marion. And then. He he approaches Paula uh, Gosling, who was the writer of some crime novel that he basically wanted to use as a fair game. Yep. Yeah. Foundation for this thing uh, and says, hey, I want you to I'm going to make this movie and I want you to re-release this book and give me co-writer credit on your your fucking novel that was written 20 years ago, whatever it was. Right. I, I, I want, want, I my, want to be the co-author po- on this thing. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I want my, my face on me? the cover and I want to be listed as the co-author because I, yeah, I, yeah. And then, and then he goes and he hires a director who I only know as the guy who stars push around and, and gets his, he, he's like the name of the director, but the real director always tends to be like Kurt Russell in Tombstone or Sylvester Stallone in this. And Apparently this guy never does any work, but he gets paid. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to supposedly a very good producer. Like he's really good at like lining up the resources and getting the sets and, and everything. But like, yeah, like this has come up twice in our independent research decades mm-hmm. apart that he did Tombstone. But secretly it was Kurt Russell doing everything and that he did now Cobra and it's secretly Sylvester yeah. Stallone. Um, it does seem like maybe there are this guy's got a reputation for being like, hey, if you want to uh, want to be an actor slash director, uh, get old Cosmo Cosmatos interested <laughs> right. in your stuff. And then, yeah, yeah, it's amazing to me, though, that 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 like history, that background for this movie and the hubris. Oh, my God. What do you because we also, you know, uh, Panos Cosmatos mm-hmm. is his son. How much of Mandy was just Nick Cage taking over that movie and doing whatever the hell he wanted? Like, is he following his father's footsteps? Maybe. I I haven't heard any reports of that, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and right, say that, right, right, you know, right. the, the son has eclipsed the father here. But mm-hmm. who knows? 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Uh, you talked a little bit about like the view of crime that this movie has, and I think we mm-hmm. should come back to that because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that clearly has an agenda, and that's it. Um, there's just so many things that are like, it starts right off the bat too, right? When he goes in and there's this guy with a shotgun who's blasting two liters left and right on the shelves, uh, you know, killing a couple people in the process. And Cobra goes in there and he murders this guy. And then he comes out and the news crews are all like, did you use unnecessary deadly force? And, you know, he has some smart comeback for that. Uh, smart right. ally comeback. Um, and then over the course of the movie, like they in- involve the night slasher and this cult and then they keep killing right and the cops just can't stop serial killers they have no means of stopping killers uh so they got to call in cobra who's the only guy who can help him and you know the entire time he's he's telling him like look as long as we gotta play by these these rules and the bad guys don't we're gonna lose that kind mm-hmm. of shit uh-huh. it's like no because the bad guys are just like a dude and you have the entire force of the u.s <laughs> government behind you i, I think you can right. handle it i think you got the tools you don't yeah, need yeah. you don't need the heavy artillery uh and, and there are so many other lines in this movie too where like i, I forget who he's talking to but he's talking to somebody and he says like oh we to talk to the judge we put him away you they let him out like he's talking about violent criminals right the guys who who go in and oh of course yeah. the judges the judges just let him out that's what happens right for no in a and, and then like at the end when uh the night the night slasher the night stalker guy is like taunting him it's like oh this was rorschach stuff like he goes from like want your eyes pig i want them i want to wear your skin then cobra gets the bad <laughs> upper hand on me. him and he's he said like uh you know oh you can't murder it's against the law you have to take this me in so i have rights don't stupid. i you know they'll find me insane i'm like mm-hmm. does this movie think that if an axe murder is decreed insane that they're just free to go yes. like well you can't be held responsible no yes it does you're locked up in a different type of prison <laughs> and if you ever get cured of your insanity then you go back to regular prison to serve out the rest of your time like the judges aren't like, oh, well, yeah, you clearly chainsawed this person in half. Only a crazy person would do that. Right. Let's let him back on the streets. And this like it starts like immediately. The cred- mm-hmm. opening credits of this film is just grim crime statistics. Oh, right. Every tw- it's, it's Sylvester. Every 22 seconds, someone's awesome custom 50s Mercury is stolen <laughs> off the streets. Every 35 <laughs> seconds, six dogs are murdered. <laughs> Every minute and a half, someone r- r- rubs cocoa butter on my muscles, and it's like just like this all all these all these crime stats of like how many burglaries, how many thefts, how many yeah. murders, how many rapes, and it's like like a, you're slowly staring down a ba- barrel of a gun. Like I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, I've seen Dirty Harry, I've seen Death Death Wish. I have, I don't know that I've seen something as like this much amped up where it's just yeah. it's the problem is that we got criminals and we got soft judges and soft politicians and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and also, man, and I, I know that we saw like I guess that this was a much more violent film and it was cut down because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about a couple of reasons, but part of the reason it was cut down is because it was like too violent. Yeah, but I got to say. In the first 15 minutes of the movie, I think I feel like it suffers because the way they establish that the this this first cult axe murder leader that we see uh, that goes into like they they he, they show him right up on a motorcycle and he parks in a handicap spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he goes on a rampage, but he's just shooting heads of lettuce and like watermelons. And like he finally, I guess, like uh, the show that he's the epitome of evil, he uh like picks this one guy out of the crowds like you can go now. And as he almost gets to the door, he shuts, he cuts him down to the shotgun. And mm-hmm. that's what, what you're talking about. Um, the media was really giving it to Cobretti. Like, Oh, you, did you use excessive force? And, and he like goes over to a gurney and he like 
raises the sheet and shows the guy who got shot by the shotgun. Why don't you ask his family about whether I used excessive force? And I'm like, yeah. it's really a trip to watch this in 2021 because I'm thinking of like the recent high profile cop murders. And it's like, dude, Cobretti goes over and it's like pulls over a sheet and it's just a convenience store guy with a fake $20 bill standing there alive. Uh-huh. Why don't you ask this guy and his family? Or it's a, it's a, a person that bought a loose cigarette on the street. Why don't you yeah. ask this guy? Has, 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 has this pack of cigarettes gone through the rigorous safety standards or is it has he paid all of his proper taxes before? Like, or, or, it's he, just, or he just picks a random house in the street, walks into their bedroom and lifts their covers off and says, why don't you ask them if they uh, wanted to be busted while they were yeah. sleeping? You know, yeah, it's like yeah. that shit. The actual the actual axe murders 15 miles across town. Right. And, a, and yeah, and then they actually already have him in custody and uh, he's going into this house and shooting him up. It's yeah, just, the, and, the tone of this movie is unconscionable now. It's it's ridiculous. I know. I know. And again, there was a very real I mean, this was a very real cultural reaction to a crime wave that was caused by, you know, among other oh, things, right. leaded gasoline and uh and but yeah, it's part like of the really reason funny we are where we are with where we are with that i mean yeah and and like it's it's really just funny like now that we're kind of like universally like if you look across the board like violent crime is at some of the lowest points we've ever seen in mm-hmm. in since we started keeping track of statistics you know uh and yet we still have the same mentality this this thin blue line this uh you know uh militarized police this uh you know you you got to have these guys you know these zombie squads out here doing shit uh coloring outside the lines because if we just left it up to the lawyers and judges we'd be anarchy it's just I guess that would be the that would be the way to parody this is you just reshoot it, put Cobretti, and he is is literally like, why don't you ask this guy that that almost accepted a counterfeit dollar, you know, <laughs> right. a counterfeit twenty? Why don't you ask his par- parents of what they feel about the situation? They're like, uh, yeah, you know, because that's the only way you can make it. Because inside the the universe of Cobretta, Cobra agrees with Cobretti, like oh, obviously he is correct and he's right and all that stuff. But yeah. It's it's a trip to watch how and uh, and and it's not just that the uh, they, they've got crooked cops working on the force and providing intelligence to the bad guys like it's just a bad it's just a bad scene it's it's one step removed from Judge Dredd oh yeah um why we're we talking about kind of random stuff what is your impression of Cobretti's apartment I don't it, understand it yeah. It's, it's like a loft studio kind of thing in a in 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 you know I don't know an okay neighborhood in in uh, L.A. Uh, it's all done in like white. Mm-hmm. He's he goes he's got home. A direct you're link to, to the the police headquarters records. He's, yeah, he's got a, like he's got a whole Batman a Batcave set uh-huh. up where he's got like uh, fingerprint things and all this stuff. Like he's he's essentially kind of Batman in there. He's cutting his pizza in half with scissors. He's hiding a gun cleaning kit in a carton of eggs that he keeps in the fridge. I thought, what oh, the fuck? okay, he's a cop who's on like a really low salary, but it doesn't the that idea doesn't match up with his apartment, which is actually pretty nice. Yeah, and, it's messy, but kind of upscale. Why doesn't he have like a nice leather case for his gun cleaning kit? Why doesn't he or or a box? They're not illegal. Like no. it's it's like he's he's hiding it. Like this is this is a custom off market uh, gray market gun cleaning kit. There's there's some like, obsession the Cobra has with nutrition and that Sylvester Stallone probably has with nutrition and his job and violence and, and the like macho stature uh, that he likes to portray. There's some weird mix there that's going on in this movie, and I don't understand it. Yeah, and I was trying like when he brought out the the pizza and the egg carton, I thought he was going to like take a bite of pizza and crack a raw egg and yeah. put it into his mouth and just like go between pizza and and just, just like fucking and when the gun cleaning kit was inside and he starts cleaning, I like lost my fucking mind. I, I was like, where, <laughs> right. who, like, what is this? Is a weird, interesting, specific detail, but who, where did it come from? Like, did yeah. did. What it's 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 dumb. I'm I'm it's, it'd be like uh like a dentist keeping a toothbrush in the icebox or something. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like I, I get if you're a little old lady and you keep your checks or your money in like a ice cream uh uh sandwich box in the refrigerator because you're afraid someone will steal it. That's yeah. the last place they'll look. But like you know, his, his, his guns are just sitting on the counter, but the gun cleaning kit is hidden in an. I don't know. It's it's wild. It is, man. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know what his nutrition thing is, but his partner is always like going for the cake and the gummy bears, right? And the the bad foods. And he's always trying to push him toward the good foods, right? I, yeah. I, I don't... And, and, you know, he gives uh, Ingrid shit about her, how much ketchup she's putting on her fries, even though she's she's not unhealthy looking. I, as, a, as a matter of fact, oh. she could probably use a couple extra calories. She's a little thin, sure. like 80s she's models a model, were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of coke. Oh, that's the other thing. When they bring her in and interrogate her, they're like... Do you, do you know anyone who does drugs? Have you ever been around drugs? And she's like, no, no. Are you fucking kidding me? You're a model in the 80s and you've never seen drugs. Oh, and she's like, she's like, also, they throw that in and like uh, Cobretti and his partner look at each other like, oh, we actually have this is a kind of kind of non coke sniffing model. You can take home the mom oh, like yeah. they literally you can see yeah. them mentally shifting her out of like the prostitute whore category into the good girl <laughs> category. And it's really gross. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can just see them. You can just see them just them do it. Um I, yeah, there's, oh, I don't, I don't ever do. I don't know. No. I've never gotten mixed up with anything I mean, like drugs. That. What are those? Never heard. Yeah, of them. I mean, like sometimes I take an aspirin if my if my head hurts. But um, <laughs> you know, I will say this: watching these '80s films, I appreciate how unchoreographed some of the stuff is. Um, in fact, there's a really funny behind the scenes story where like uh, uh, Stallone was supposed to have this fight with the stalker lady. You know. Uh, the the evil cop lady and he kept on she kept on saying hey do you we need to rehearse this because I don't know what I'm doing you know I'm an actor I'm uh, I'm a I'm a woman who plays you know lots of things but not people who punch trade punches this Arnold or uh, St- Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. he kept on being like oh you'd be fine just kind of you know just kind of just just kind of do what feels and I guess the first three takes were her just like jumping on his back spider monkey style <laughs> and him just kind of shrugging and knocking her <laughs> off and he's like okay maybe we ought to practice but I think this kind of like with most stuntmen, I really think like Sly and Arnold would just show up to the set and like, all right, you you kind of punch me and then I'll punch you and we'll just have a good time with it because like it feels very much like a brawl. Yeah. Like you don't have like this. You know, we just talked about Jason Bourne and how like it's got like three different blends of martial arts from different continents. And it's all, but this is just beefy dudes punching each other and mm-hmm. the camera staying with them. And like, Oh man, wouldn't it suck to get punched by a dude that looks like this? That's it. That's it. There's no artistry. There's no, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel much more real. And yeah, like there's another time where like, um, you know, you see in the fast and furious all the time. Like they have these money shots where, uh, Vin Diesel will be in slow motion and he's like doing a complicated 720 spin of his car and he's going to open up the passenger wheel and you know one of the girls in the series is going to take a take a seat just as he gets to her at 90 miles an hour and it's like mm-hmm. clearly composited in CG and he's wearing cables like there's a point where Sylvester Stallone just like jumps out of like a, a skidding pickup truck uh-huh. and does like a nice little tuck roll and like that's just slide doing a fucking pretty sweet stunt Mm-hmm. It's kind of dumb and it doesn't really fit in, in the movie and is not necessarily cool, but he's it's real and he's doing it. And I kind of like that. That's true. <laughs> and, and this is an era also when car stunts were, you know, not the 360 uh, spins that you see in Fast and Furious or jumping from building to building. They were mm-hmm. just kind of real dudes in real cars uh, mm-hmm. driving fast in dangerous ways. I think the car chase scene is probably the best scene of this entire movie. It's pretty good. And it, it contains like a, I call this the Rockford file, which is anytime you've got a car that's backing up and then you, you slam it in drive and you whip over the wheel. So you can see, so you can seamlessly go from high speed reverse to forward. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a double Rockford with machine pistol finish. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Like yeah. slides. just like, you know, he's going, he's going forward. He backs it up, throws it in reverse. Now he's, uh, he's, he's going full throttle and backwards. He like blows his windshield out and takes out all these guys with his mach- submachine gun. And then he reverse Rockford's and he's going back. It's, and again, no CG, no mm-hmm. like stuff on cables. It's just stunt dudes driving cars and, and, and looking really badass while they're doing it. Yeah, going over over hills and ramps and flying out of like second story parking garages. And it, I it's mean, what, cool. yeah, what, 
what the fuck kind of putt putt course are they driving on? Because they, there's these know, like man. this street has this, this succession of gentle hills, and it's got to be someplace in San Fran, right? It's where you always go when you want to do crazy jumps in an urban environment. But they're just yeah. launching every one of them is just launching these cars, and it's uh, I don't know, it, it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. Uh, there's at some point, um, there's also just like just kind of unreal geography like they get shot out of this hotel in the middle of no place a sly is and this is pretty cool stunt too he's like standing in the back of a pickup truck like with his you know like like twin pistols and he's blasting the guys coming at him he's shooting dudes off motorcycles and that's pretty cool plus Mm -hmm. like i'm sure he was wearing some kind of cable attached to his belt but like he just looks like he's standing there and the stunt man's weaving up it you know like that's uh medium risky and uh, again very real but then they like, uh, I don't know, they wreck the thing and Sly jumps off and tucks and he grabs Bridget and they hustle through. The next set piece is now through a citrus farm, which is kind of cool. I don't think I've ever seen a shootout in a citrus grove. I have never seen a uh, uh, and So they fight their way through the citrus grove and suddenly <laughs> they end up in what I can only assume is an orange juice factory because I, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand, but it's a heavy industry orange yeah. juice factory, like big pits of molten metal. It's it's the Terminator tubes uh, climax, uh, but it's right next door. I cannot stress how yeah. he runs from a line of citrus from orange trees right into the sliding giant factory door where literally hell is happening. <laughs> no, there's um, so much fire in this place. It's ridiculous. They have a, a hallway of fire, which I assume is for some annealing or some some crazy yeah, shit that you would do with shit i don't know orange juice uh uh-huh. that's how they get the pulp out <laughs> right <laughs> they they have a trench I, I mean it's just it's just a trench dug into the floor that they're dumping molten metal into for what that's purpose? actually orange juice the boil the, they have <laughs> to, they have to pasture, that's how they're pasteurizing the orange juice so it stays better it's longer. just a dirt floor with a trench that they're pouring this super hot liquid into i i don't know man None of this and, made any sense. And we talked about like how sometimes like uh, in, in the quiet place, we talked about part two, how sometimes it's a pleasure to be like, oh, uh, oh I see that moving part and I see this moving part uh-huh. and I see that. Oh, I wonder how this is going to fit. Like w- as soon as they stepped in, there's like these giant fucking meat hooks coming across, mm-hmm. you know, the the field of view. Simultaneously, there's these huge pu- uh, puddles of liquid metal and f- uh, portals to hell. And I'm like, oh, is is the bit is the main baddie going to get meat hooked or is he going to get punched through one of the portals of hell? And I was delighted when both happened simultaneously. <laughs> the meat hook grabs him and takes him to hell. Yeah, it does. And it's also like kind of like the, from a screenplay, per, um, like from a parody screenplay, it's pretty delicious that this guy's going on and on about how he's going to, you know, like he's yeah. going to go to hell and he's going to drag mm-hmm. Cobra. And like, he's literally like this, this, this bot corpse on a hook is drugged through what does look like a flaming portal sending him straight to hell. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he definitely, definitely got that. Uh, all those one liners connected into the action. And I, and I like that. The, the other like extremely obvious thing that I saw coming immediately. I mean, as soon as Cobra steps out of his car in the very first scene that he's in, I'm like, Oh, okay. That match is going to be used later in the movie to light some on fire. Uh, I expected it to be someone of more consequence, I guess. But he just lights the sniper on fire, the one who's chasing him through yeah. the orange grove. Not as uh-huh. big a deal as I expected. Like light, uh, light the crazy psycho cop lady up, or light up uh, Bri- Brian, whatever his name is, uh, Night Stalker. Mm. Light the Night Slasher. Uh, light them up. You know, I, I was a little yeah. disappointed with who he lit up. Also. I'm a little surprised that in a, the, in a house in a factory full of fire flames everywhere. The heat has to be off the charts in this place. They've just got an open barrel of super flammable liquid just sitting in <laughs> up on a second story that he can dump onto this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's got to be probably has a thing to say about mm, that. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, I, I want to talk about the. You're right, because it was anticlimactic. It was clearly something I was looking forward to from the very mm-hmm. first frame that Sly had a match dangling out of his mouth. Yeah. And especially since the lady psycho cop, the second in command of the axe murders was kind of unceremoniously dispatched. It was essentially Completely. friendly fire. Yeah. 
they could have, they, but I, I, I feel like in this stage in the eighties, you can't just set a woman on fire screaming, even if you establish her as being the number two <laughs> of a sadistic, satanic uh, axe murderer cult. Hmm. Like they're just like, oh, that doesn't play right in Peoria. If you just set this, looks like a school mom uh, <laughs> right. on fire. Um, nowadays, they, you know, Quentin Tarantino's like, you know, after it's yeah, that's you can yeah. you can absolutely brutalize an evil woman on film. Um, but back then, I think that's but it, it did feel unsatisfactory. It did feel like they they used the one of the best deaths on just a, a literally who dude. Mm hmm. Um, I think this might be one of the first times in cinema that you've ever seen like a laser scope, like a, you know, like a, what do what they call those? Oh, yeah. a, a red dot, you know, mm-hmm. where, where it actually puts a puts a red dot on something that you shoot. Hmm. Um, these these uh, submachine guns were like this really odd brand of gun. I think only like 400 were ever made. And then they kind of came reissued in the nineties. They tried to make a, a comeback, but they were never very successful and they're using a very odd design, but they're extremely iconic. Like that's the thing I remember about this movie, his mirrored sunglasses and his like really cool machine pistol looking thing with the laser sight on it. Mm. Um, Sylvester yeah. Stallone reached out to the manufacturer of that gun and said, Hey, I want you to reissue the gun and I want to be credited as co uh, manufacturer of this weapon for this movie and they said yes i wonder when submachine guns started becoming dominant in action movies because up you know usually it was like real like assault rifles or machine guns or things like that and you didn't see you start mm-hmm. seeing the machine pistols and stuff until maybe <clears throat> die hard is die hard where you started seeing like the mp5s and um, you know that's a good question i don't really know because like I, I remember we were watching it might have been uh it might have been the first lethal weapon when they were showing a SWAT team and it was just essentially, you know, cops in slightly different uniforms, but they're just using like uh M sixteens mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. You know? I I wonder when the, everything got like really super tactical. Maybe this is like one of the first ones where uh, I, I guess Red Heat and Arnold Schwarzenegger the year before used this exact same gun, which makes me think that Sly mm. is like, oh, I got to whatever, Ar- whatever Arnold had. And I got to have it. But like, I wonder right. if the fil- films like that started bringing it back to like, oh, smaller, sleeker, sexier, more tactical, tactical, futuristic looking guns. Uh, I have a proposition for you. OK. Cobra is a Christmas film. Oh, Jesus. It apparently takes place entirely the week before Christmas. There's tons of Christmas okay. lights, Christmas performances or Christmas. Uh, uh, there's no Christmas songs. I would that would seal the deal yeah. if we had this just even one Jingle Bell Rock or something. But like, yeah, a good 15, 20 percent of its running time involves Christmas image Im- imagery, I think. Does it? I didn't notice any of it. Really? The the whole yeah, fucking it, sh- shootout in the beginning, like there's Christmas, like this the guy that gets shotgun like collapses in the two different Christmas trees. No, wow. No, I didn't notice any you're, of it. You're man. in mid you're in midsummer Grinch mode, man. Your 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 Christmas <laughs> radar is burnt out. You're not you're not looking for it. Sure is. <laughs> Wild. All right, you maybe know, not. Some things maybe I did not. notice though. Uh unlike this nurse. So all right, there's a scene where uh ingrid is is in the hospital right and the Mm -hmm. night stalker night slasher whatever is coming after her in the hospital he's dressed as a janitor he's got this mop bucket and he's roaming the halls looking for her and the nurse notices hey that guy he's here awfully late to be mopping that's a little strange what she doesn't notice is that literally this entire facility is carpeted bottom to top like the the whole fucking thing is carpet and the thing that she notices is that the mop guy is there too late he's he's not <laughs> on his normal schedule mopping the floors that's weird are you fucking kidding me i don't know if they shot this in an office building or what this is like that oh, kind of mistake that yeah. can only come about from like right. last minute production shit and somebody who like yeah you know scouted the location but didn't read the script closely enough and didn't think right. about oh the, this guy's got a mob maybe we should have a place that doesn't have carpet also hospitals famously don't have carpet there's all types For a lot of, of good vomiting reasons. and yeah. fecal matter and blood spurting and you want to be able to clean that shit in a way you can't do it's like like 
What kind of maniac has car- a fully carpeted bathroom? I, oh, it's I terrible. Know, I know people did, and it was in all the back 70s, in the eighties. So maybe, especially, yeah. maybe, maybe there was like a, a rash of carpeting in hospitals in the seventies, eighties before people were like, wait a second, then this why is the mop bucket? That's, That's what I want to know. Why does the mop guy seem normal except for his routine is off? Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to explain. Um, <laughs> really hard to this explain. Mo- this movie also has one of my favorite tropes, which is the good guys playing cat and mouse in this like very complicated industrial factory type setting. And he gets to drop on a guy and he just turns a random valve. Mm-hmm. And it vents fire on the guy like 15 feet away. Yeah, he turned up the gas. Turn up the Why heat. does that always work? How does he like... In in a factory like that, there's a million valves. Just once, I want to see someone turn a valve and it sprays them with scalding steam and kills them. <laughs> right, that's how you do or, the parody. Yeah, or it spray or it sprays it sprays something like 200 feet away that has no relation to this thing. It's mm-hmm. just, it's always like not only did it, it's it's pinpoint precision in right. the way you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just thought that's so funny. It just just he just it turns it turns a little 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 valve, gout of flame. It's done. Uh, the other extraordinarily confusing scene to me, not just the carpeting and the mopping. There's a scene where he comes home and there's like a, a group of dudes parked in a way where he can't get into his normal parking spot. And so he just like rolls his car up and pushes them out of the way with it. And, you know, they get up and they, they start to get in his face and he's just so oh, I'm your worst nightmare or whatever. And then he rips the guy's shirt off. Like as a fuck you and walks away. And when you see the guy's chest, he's wearing a microphone and like taped like you would think a wire. Right. So he's wearing this microphone. I don't know if that is part of the filming, like the movie. And they needed to get this guy's audio. So they taped a mic to his Uh chest. Or if he is like an undercover cop, but they never or or like uh, an informant who's like going in with a wire to catch somebody. They never explain it. It's just like, yeah, the weirdest thing. That must thing. be one of the things. Cause, cause I noticed that like next time you see like this guy's like moving his car and being like extremely ass kissy to Cobretti, like, Hey, uh, how you doing there? Colonel? Like, yeah. It's a, and I'm like, that must be something in the 30 minutes that they cut because yeah. So I, I want to talk be. about that. They didn't, they didn't cut this so much to get rid of their X rating, although that was part of it. But like, yeah, yeah. I guess um, this movie was up against Top Gun and Stallone's like, oh, my God, this movie's so much better than our movie. I made a turd. <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose my shirt. What are going to do? Apparently, this, the, the time tested solution back then to make a movie more competitive is cut it towards yeah. under 90 minutes, screen it 17 times a day and try to get as much of your money up front before everyone finds out it's a turd. Yeah. That was like. And they, they, they showed several examples of that. Like when I was reading the background of this movie, it's like, oh, much like the, they did with this movie. This So apparently that was Hollywood's thing. It's like, well, if the movie sucks, we're just going to cut. We're going to make it even worse. We're going to shove it out there. And hopefully suckers will see it on opening weekend. And by the time they read Ebert saying stay away, then we we'll are <laughs> already have most of our money back. But wow. like there's tons of small continuity errors like that, where there's like yeah. characters that clearly are supposed to be more important than they are. And they just go nowhere. And I kind of oh, want to get my hands scene also. I forgot. The other thing about it is as soon as like the jig is up and she pulls the fire alarm, people just swarm from everywhere. Right. It's, it's played like this slasher flick where like he's stalking her silently through these darkened halls, completely devoid of any human life. They're the only two people in the entire building. And then she pulls that alarm and hundreds of people swarm out <laughs> yeah. like in full suits. It's not like these fuckers were, yep. you know, sleeping patients or something in get hospital gowns. No, there were executive level people from this hospital just in a patient's room. There were numerous yeah, doctors hallways, and nurses everywhere. These hallways look like Times Square all of a sudden. Yeah. It's insane, man. It's <laughs> absolutely insane. That whole scene is bonkers. Uh, do you want you want also something bonkers um, right at the beginning of the movie where they switch from the intro to the actual movie itself? There's this Angel of the City montage where they introduce oh. Bridget Nelson's Ingrid. God. But for the first minute of that intro, they just keep showing random flashes of these robots that are cl- clearly built out of like tea kettles and irons and uh-huh. like shit like this. Like this is an art project and they keep on showing flashes of that and flashes of Cole Brady shaking guys down. And then like it's like, oh, this is part of a fashion shoot. But I actually thought I was having a stroke or something for the first Same like here. 30 seconds of that montage. Like, 
what the fuck is going on with this? It was so bizarre. And they also show like in that montage, they show like the brass knuckles with the knife and the spikes on him. And they're just the dude's fist holding it up. It's like, yeah, it is a pretty pretty iconic knife. I I know that there was like a big Uh fascination uh, with those style knives around this time. Like, oh, my God, look at this. Like. You know, it, I mean, hell, I, I wouldn't want to fight a guy with a knife like this. Oh, but, for sure. Uh, also, if these knives are so badass, like, why don't like every military in the world use them? There, yeah, there must be a problem with the full brass knuckle spikes, uh, deer gutting knife combo that like you either hurt yourself more often than you hurt your enemy <laughs> or something because probably. Yeah, it's got to be something to it. Uh Last thing I got revolving around Bridget Nelson is there's a scene where she gets up and he's like, can't you sleep? And she's like, no, I'm having trouble. And like, literally, he's just sitting five feet away from her, watching her as he repeatedly breaks down, cleans and racks the slides on his guns. <laughs> right. It's like, imagine trying to sleep to some, some psychopath who's just got plus like the gut that shit stinks. It's the whole room smells like a, a ammo factory. Just constantly. It sounds like Optimus Prime is transforming right next to your bread, your bed. Uh-huh. Click, clock, clack, click, check, clack. Like. Stop cleaning your guns. I think she slept with him just so he'd stop cleaning his guns and she could get a good night's sleep afterwards. Yeah. Poor Ingrid. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, and of course, the, the final scene is maybe the dumbest scene of any of the scenes in the entire movie when the guy is saying, oh, come to hell with me, Cobra. Uh, you know, I'm insane and I'll plead insanity and the judges will let me out. That's how crime works. And that's how justice works and the law works. Uh, and the entire time, Cobra's standing there with a gun pointed at him. Cobra has just murdered 50 of his friends with extreme prejudice. Uh, there were no speeches given to his other 50 friends. There were no uh, moments for them to get their last words in. Uh, there was no mercy shown. And this guy is somehow thinking that Cobra has turned over a new leaf during this whole sequence where he's no, been it's, stalked it's, it's, and, and they've attempted to murder him. Yeah, it's so meta where like he knows that the trope is that the hero will mow down through tons of mooks, but he gets to the arch mook and is like, no, I'm better than this. I'm going to throw away my lightsaber or my sword or my bow or whatever, because I want you to do the time. But, you know, again, he gets meat hooked and sent to hell. Yeah, this uh, is the stupidest. So he's rude. He miscalculated. He He had watched a lot of other bad movies and didn't realize that this was a good bad movie that's going to have the guy just not give a fuck and, and torture him up anyway. Yeah. And then they do Cobra. a lot of like standard uh, cop trope things at the end where like he goes and asks for a replacement car. Cause Holy shit. They fuck his car up. Like we talked they a little do. bit about it, but it's devastated by the end. It's not going anywhere. And he it's asked no for a new car. Awesome. And they're like, eh, it's not on the budget. Which you know, right after the guy thing. says, hey, Cobretti, if you ever want right. uh, like an easier assignment or any anything you need to do, any resources you need, oh, you know, you could fix my car. No, fuck that. We don't got the budget for Mercury 50 restorations. Get out of here. Oh, OK. Yeah, I guess I'll guess I'll go back to cut my pizza in half. That's how it that's why he cuts his pizza in half. It's a it's a budget thing. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be right. He carefully cut, cuts each slice in half and he eats one one day, one the other because, you know, his meager salary on the zombie squad doesn't pay the bills. Um, uh, and, and there are a couple of like good jokes. I think I, I like the Alice joke. I like the joke about his name where he says, you know, I wanted something more macho like Alice. Uh, th- yeah, that, that was pretty funny. A, it was all right. It's a little Johnny Cash boy named Sue, but it's it's decent. Yeah, and yeah. I will say that, like, I think that Stallone is a pretty charming, charismatic guy yes. in like, uh, but he only has the one gear. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. the hey, I'm kind of fucking dumb and you can't even believe how dumb I am. But also I'm, I'm kind of like uh, self-aware about it. Right. You know, like right, uh, I'm, right. I'm Rocky. I'm, I'm Rocky. I'm a meat packer. But, you know, there's, there's something going on behind these eyes. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and he just like that's the his, his whole shtick, um, which brings me to. Unless you have other points, I want to talk about Stallone himself. Okay, okay. well, uh, let me talk about the other, the funniest joke. The thing that got the biggest laugh from me in this entire movie yeah. was not really <laughs> a joke. But when they're in the parking garage and, you know, the night slasher is coming after Ingrid and the cop comes and like out of the elevator and is like shooting at him to save her. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. crash this van into him. The crash is so violent 
the the way they just completely obliterate this cop like <laughs> i don't know if it pushes him into the elevator shaft or what but he's gone he's gone he doesn't exist anymore man he gets erased <laughs> he's not just dead there's no body they'll never even know he worked there <laughs> it's fucked up how hard they hit that guy one thing i want to talk about before we get out of here is Stallone's place on the badass list because he has mm. long been essentially 3B to to Arnold's 3A. Sure. Is that a fair assessment? Or is it possible that like still like cuz like is Stallone better cuz like I think Stallone on the whole has had maybe slightly a better career if you talk about in terms of like Ooh. his things on uh Copland, like like when you think of things that you can take him seriously in the majority of the Rocky films, the first Rambo, sure. like he's got like these great like movies that actually have something to them that are not just like ludicrous action fest, not just one liner quips. And he does that, too. But I almost feel like that he you could make an argument that he's better than Arnold. Or that he actually is much worse. Because every time I see one of these films, hmm. even when he's like in ripped and shredded mode, he's not Arnold like like right. Arnold just shows up effortlessly looking like a fucking mountain. You can tell that Stallone puts a lot of fucking work in and he's wearing lift shoes and all this other stuff. He's a, he's a small guy with a small frame has put as much beef on it as he can. Yeah. yeah. But like, I feel like giving him a full seat his, his for the shoulders champion. are meat hooks and he's hanging big as big a slab as he can off those meat hooks, but they're not big. They meat can. Hooks. They're, they're, they're not big meat hooks. They're, yeah. they're little, little small fishing hook meat hooks. Uh, and I feel like that, uh, he needs to either get a bonus on his roles because he actually has some like I don't Arnold has had a few roles where he kind of takes it serious. I haven't seen the one that everyone talks about. Maggie. Isn't that the one? I think so. Yeah. Zombie apocalypse. Everyone talks about what like how well he acts in that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's always kind of kind of stuck in my craw that like. Sly is is just a notch below Arnold. I don't know that that's true. And I, I wonder you, if there's but- going to be some newcomers that take. That like maybe fill into that 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 gap slot. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, we'll we'll have to talk about it this week on the uh, live stream. Figure that out. But uh, I think Arnold is exactly what he needs to be in every role he's in, and that doesn't usually mm. imply a lot of great acting. Um, he doesn't take a lot of serious dramatic roles that require a lot of him, other than mm-hmm. just to sort of be the dead eyed you know, a uh, killer robot, right? Like Terminator. That's, that's a dramatic role, but it's also not one that requires a lot of acting chops. Um, right. And then in stuff like, you know, jingle all the way and last action hero and stuff he's got in and total recall. He's got to have like this serious, but also comedic timing. It's it, yeah. Whereas in Rocky, you need to believe this guy's struggle, right? You need to believe that this is a character uh, who has hopes and dreams and fears, I never feel that about an Arnold Schwarzenegger character. That's true. I'm trying to think of which is successfully, who has the more charisma, too. Because Sly is very charismatic, but he yes. is very the same. Like, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Arnold, Eve, when he's a, like a barely articulate barbarian, when he is like a killing machine, when he is... And he's got other roles, like, uh, uh, what's the one when he did with Cameron? Uh... Uh, true lies mm. where he's actually pretty suave mm-hmm. like he's almost you know like he, he's got that gear to him too I feel like it's a little bit more versatile but there is something just kind of raw and like an acting kind of ability that Stallone has that Schwarzenegger lacks yeah like I don't think Arnold I think that um, Stallone could do most of Arnold's roles mm-hmm. um, I don't know that, like what Arnold looks like in First Blood you know, or what Arnold looks like in the first Rocky, the first two Rockies. That's, that's a tough one. Like, I don't know that I see Arnold pulling off Rocky. I could see him pulling off the first quote unquote Rambo movie, First Blood. Really? I, I think so, because it doesn't like if you look at uh, Stallone's performance in that, it's pretty dead macroized, right? Just like a guy who's seen too much shit in war comes back and gets hassled. I think. I think he can pull that off and we've seen Predator, right? He can definitely pull off the rest of that movie. Um, 
Yeah, I think Arnold. I think Arnold would struggle with the scene where that Rambo goes scene. to approach the, mm. with, with that one, but also yeah. when Rambo goes to approach the mother of his dead comrade, and they have like this kind of like uh, uh, you know. I, yeah. I think that like that's the stuff that he would struggle with. Whereas the other thing is like I've also as I've watched some of uh, Stallone Prime, he's really good at just meat and potato type stunts. Where like Arnold is very good at like doing set piece stuff like, hey, rip this phone booth out of the ground, carry this fucking tree on your shoulder, (laughs) punch this horse truck. But like if you ever see Arnold like try to be stealthy, it's a fucking grim parody of a (laughs) of a guy trying to be sneaky. Or if you see like uh, Arnold doing like a combat role or something, it always looks very clumsy and where like I I don't know, like I I feel like uh, Stallone moves a little bit better, too. Um. I I really think they're, the reason they're one A and one B is because that's kind of how popular culture presented them. For like sure. they were always dueling at the box office with these big over the top action movies. That's what they're primarily known for. But like the more I see of Stallone's catalog, the less it seems similar to to Arnold's. Except for when you're mm-hmm. talking about the most Gonzo stuff, like Kiss Cobra. Yeah, yeah. But this obviously is in uh arnold's gear uh the 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 two rambo sequels obviously are in arnold's gear but uh stallone does a a lot more than just that i think i i haven't seen maggie and i need to um because it might recalibrate uh my arnold senses here but i don't think he could do what stallone does in rocky balboa based on what i've seen Rocky Balboa also, it's unfair to compare something that some somebody does at 59 when they've had like 40 years of experience in industry, like taking acting lessons and stuff like it's yeah. not compare. It's it's kind of unfair to compare like Arnold doing Maggie uh, to like Stallone doing Rocky because mm-hmm. like, you know, there's just a huge disparity in experience, which kind of mm-hmm. makes me think that Stallone just has got more talent. He's just got more acting talent, but he's got less beef talent <laughs> sure he can't stack it as high he's, he's got yeah. less physical talent um sure i don't know it's uh something i want to be thinking about during our badass deliberations which, by the way our yeah. first one is going to be this week uh wednesday and working wednesday we're going to open it up with a open forum discussion of our existing badass list we're going to blow off the dust on the spreadsheet we're going to go through um, you know, we've watched a lot of films in the last 10 years. Uh, we've, we filled in some holes in the catalog. We're going to, we're going to try to go through and debate some of these things. Like is Arnold better than Sly? If you want to join us, uh, please tune in on Wednesday at 1 PM Eastern on twitch.tv slash bald move. And, uh, we're going to be doing it. So yeah, hopefully you can join us. And, uh, next week will be, uh, the, the badass marathon will roll on as we consider Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. Hell yeah. His probably best role? Oh yeah. It's Bloodsport uh, or Kickboxer, one of the two. Which is kind of they're they kind of yeah, they're they're a lot of the same same kind of stuff. I I'm excited. I haven't seen this movie in 20 years. Uh so I'm I'm really excited to see what kind of uh what the muscles from Brussels can do <laughs> uh right at the start of his career. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll join us for the the next phase of that and uh, for our badass debates, which, again, if you if you missed a live podcast, we're going to turn those into standalone podcasts later on. But uh, if you want to participate in the debate and join us live, twitch.tv slash bald move 1 p.m. Wednesdays Eastern. All right. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.